Well, Pastor Derry and I were having a conversation on the church uh, just the other day, yesterday. And uh, as we were having that conversation, it brought to mind the, mind the metaphor uh, that the Apostle Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to give, and that is the body of Christ. How many of you have ever heard that term, the body of Christ? Okay. What does that mean to you? What's that look like? Well, I'm going to throw some thoughts at you today. You know, I, I've been asking you guys a lot of questions lately. And I've been asking you questions with the hope that I'm going to stump you on some of this stuff and you're going to give it some thought. And you're going to start thinking about some things that come down to your own life and your own walk with Jesus and how that's all going. So uh, as we look at this, the body of Christ, well, as I said, it's a, it's a relationship. It describes a, a relationship of its members, of the members of the church, to Christ and to one another. So we think about it from 1 Corinthians 12, and we say, okay, each part, God put the parts where he wants, doing their thing. So the church doesn't sit in uh, chairs except on a Sunday morning when we gather together and we do teaching and preaching and we worship together. It's a good thing to do. And it's a very important thing that we do. Nevertheless, what would it look like? So I got to thinking about it, and here's how it works out. Ephesians 1, and 23. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, thinking on Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 and 30, and I... I want to keep this up before you. We go before this here. I want you to think about this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn amongst many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified showed to be right, he also glorified. Have you read that before? Interesting verse. Now, what does it mean he glorified you? How, how is it that you've been glorified by God? Have you ever thought about that? Think about this verse. This is a very, very important verse. We read it a hundred times, a thousand times. And we kind of, oh yeah, yeah, I've been glorified, been glorified. Let me, let me read this for you in the NTL, just for a, a different look at it, okay? And it reads this way. For God knew his people in advance, before you ever existed, Right? He knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. What did God choose us to be like? His son. All right? Next he goes on to say, so that his son would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. I like that. 
But that's exactly what Romans is saying. That we would be like Jesus. We would be, and he would be our, 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 our brother, our Lord, our Savior, our King. All of those things, our friend. But he would be to us like family. We're part of the family of God. And then he goes on to say this, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing. He gave them his glory. You hear that? So God has given you his glory. Anybody know what glory means? In the original language, it's pretty interesting. When you think of glory, well, what do you think of? But as we, you look at the Greek, I'm going to give you a direct translation next week. I didn't have time to get to it today. And plus, this is just an introduction to why we're here as a church. It has nothing to do with the message yet. We'll get to that, okay? But uh, as you look at this, he gave us his glory. When you think of glory in the Bible and you look at the original language, it, it speaks of something that has weight, that has value, gravitas. But it's also something that's shining bright and, and beautiful and wonderful. Well, could it be that we've missed the point that this glory we're talking about that God gave us is a person? Hello? You hear me? I want you to think about that. In other words, when you were born again, on that moment that you received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and the Spirit of Christ came into your heart, and your spirit was regenerated, made new by God, God came to dwell in you. You became this new person. But think about it now. The glory of God now was inside of you. Now, that means that you had something of great value and you have something that shines forth. Now comes our role to let the glory that is in us shine through us. And I want to emphasize this over and over again because the way we mostly walk is people have this idea, well, God died for us. We hear all of these things that he did. He suffered and he died, and he did. He paid the price for our sins. We were redeemed on the cross. When Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. Every sin paid for. But catch this. Even though that's true, then what do you do about it? I know what I'm going to do. I'm grateful. I, I'm, I'm thankful for what God has done for me. So let me serve God. And we miss it right off the bat. We immediately are moving back to works instead of letting the glory that is in us work through us to others. There's a big difference. So as we're talking about transformation and we're talking about things like this, we're talking literally about a new way of living. That's what we're talking about. 
and rethinking some of the things that we do. It's not, well, I've got this gift, so I ought to use it. Well, Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gifts. That's fine. But this is different. This is quite a bit different. So let me continue here. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the body of Christ. And all of you remember, well, I'll I'll tell you what I did. I I, I have to tell you that I, I went to Google. Google didn't give me the right answer, so I went to Siri to get some information on on people yesterday, right? So what I'm saying to you is this brightness of light that's in us, spoken in the person of Jesus Christ, think about this. When were you in your prime? Some of you haven't come to your prime yet. Some of you have come to your prime. Some of you are trying to keep your prime. And maintain it, right? That's what we want to do. And we do all kinds of things to try to do that. So I said, well, let me think back to the time when I was perfect. And that was hard. Because I never was exactly perfect, I got to tell you that. You know? But what I'm saying is physically. And, uh, but I worked out. I w- w- did some gymnastics. I did a bunch of different things. I mean, uh, I, I really was in great shape. That was, I was 15 then. I still wasn't in my prime, right? So I, I asked Siri, what age is considered to be the prime age for men? And Siri said, the age of 20 to 35 is considered the prime life of prime of life for men. So, having known that, I figured out, well, what is it for women? It might be different. So I asked Siri, what is the prime age considered for the, what, what age is the prime life for women that they're in? And the first response I got uh, was, some believe it is inappropriate to talk of a woman's prime age on TV. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is true. So, uh, the prime age, however, whoever wrote that decided that, no, the women aren't going to get away with it. And then this was discouraging, too, in a way. The prime age for women is 88. No, I'm only kidding, you know. <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> the prime age, looking back on time, that's what I'm trying to figure out when you're strong, healthy, when one of us guys had six packs, you know, we're, we're thinking about that, okay? So 20 to 40 is considered the prime age when women are in their prime. 20 to 40. We have to go, let me see here. Look at this. It takes us till we're 25 before our brain hardens. Now they're saying for men, it may even be 30. And now we find out that, uh, what, men's prime age is 20 to 35. So we've barely had our brain focusing when we're getting out of our prime age. And then uh, as, as you're looking at this, with women, it's 20 to 40. That's considered the prime age. Now, for all of us in our prime life, we're looking back at time now. Everybody here, just close your eyes and go back into time. Now, some of you are there right now. 
Many of you are there right now. All of the women are there right now. And you look back and you think about everything from uh, the, the, the curves that you had to the skin and all of these different things that go back. And I, and I think about it from a standpoint of, you know, having the six-pack and going through all of this stuff here. And I don't mean six-pack of beer. I'm talking about, you know, the ripples down your stomach, right? And you think about that. And guess what's happening at that point in time? If you're in good health, every part of your body is working. I mean, your brain is alert, you're alert, you're quick, you have good coordination, so you're thinking quick. You don't have to think about, okay, foot, get up and move. All you have to do is think to move and your foot knows to move. Or to pick up something and your hand knows to pick it up. You don't have to think about how to breathe because you're breathing. You don't have to think about how my heart should beat. Heart, are you beating? Beat heart. We, we don't think about all of those things. Why not? Because the brain controls them all. And that's the way God made us. Now, where I'm getting, coming to is this right now. Now, this is not... Okay. I, I left out some good stuff for you guys out there. Yeah, Okay. I talked about the six-pack, the stomach, leap. And that, for us guys, that's the days when you could leap over a wall and run through the troop. You know, I mean, you, you, you were a macho guy. And the women, back in those days, and this is true because I saw the sign right in our janitor's closet. And that was the day when women were able to do the work of five men. One woman. Do you remember that sign? You put that sign there. I'm pretty sure that you were the culprit on that. I, I just, I'm, you know, walk into the thing. It says, God's answer for, for, for you know, women. Replace five, whatever it is, five women, equal to five men. I thought about that, and I said, well, I, I don't know who put that up, and then I thought about it again. Okay. So that's the time you're raising kids, you're doing this, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're going back and, and, and you know, and, and for you ladies, it's also a time when the word pantyhose is not in your vocabulary. Think about it. I learned that from a girl named Sue, uh, uh, Josh Chamberlain and I were on the radio one day and we're going through the project and this lady called in and Josh said, hey, you know, this ice out there, we need to get pantyhose and throw the, uh, put the melt stuff in there and you throw it up on the roof. I said, come on, Josh. You realize what's going to happen? Come spring, you're going to have all of this pantyhose hanging off of the roofs. Now you got to get up on a, a ladder, you know. And then he said, what's pantyhose? And uh, I said, I don't know. And then Sue called in. And she said, Pantyhose. She says, Josh, how old is uh, your wife? And he said, she's 20-something. And she said, well, she won't know about pantyhose yet. <laughs> it's kind of funny, the things that happen, you know? Okay, so I want to think about the church body now. Now we're getting real serious. In its prime, as it matures, nobody has to plan it all out. 
you do this, you do that, we need this, we need this, we need that. No. As we grow in Christ and are transformed and are comfortable in the gifting that God has given us and function in that gifting, not because it needs to be done, but because it's what we're called to do. As we're growing together, as we recognize everybody's important. How many believe your heart's important? I mean, I know my heart's important. I could have died this year if they had not picked up what was going on in my heart. So my heart's important. How about your eyes? How about your ears? How about your, 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 your stomach, your liver, your kidneys? You don't think about those things. But guess what? They're all in there. They're all working. And that's what makes you able to even get a six-pack or look in good shape or bear children or anything else that you want to do. Now think about this. This is what Pastor Derry and I were kicking around. I said, think about this. The body of Christ, where's the brain? Well, Paul said it already. The brain is Christ. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about a relationship with God that leads you and guides you in the thing that you're doing. At the same time now, you have a humble attitude Humility is of the utmost importance. Why is that important? Because you respect every other part of your body from your little toe to your big toe to your ear, whatever it is. You have need for all of these parts. And if you ever lost, for example, even the sense of taste as some people have with this COVID stuff, they're really complaining about it. It's that they're not enjoying life like they once did. They can't taste their food. They can't smell their food. This has all been taken from them through this disease. So, but when Christ is the head and every part, the arm is doing what it was called to do because Christ is directing it. The foot is doing what Christ called it to do. It's walking where Christ wants it to walk because the brain is, that's the kind of communication in a perfect, perfect church. Now, I don't think we could ever attain that. I, I want to I make that clear. But I want this picture to be in your head that we can get better and better because each and every one of us has some sort of something wrong with us. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's a hangnail, but somebody's always got something, and yet you function. Now, what do you do when one of the body parts is, is going bad? What do you do with it? You heal it. You do what you can. You take your medicine. You do this. You do that. You heal it. That's what you do in the church. We got a part that's not working the way it should. It's malfunctioning. We heal it. You got that? But we have a part that is foreign to our body, like cancer. What do we do? We kill it. We remove it. And that's how we keep the body healthy. Otherwise, that cancer spreads to the whole body. Whether it's discontent or all of this other stuff. So I want you to talk, understand that. And when we say to, uh, on our website, and when we say to you every week, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, you understand now how 
if that's what our job is to do, right? And we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man how? How are we presenting every man? I don't see it up on the wall there. What happened there? Complete in Christ. That's what you're doing. So if you could think this, that this is the goal that we have, and we know how to do this. We, we know a process that can accomplish this. But then it's going to be up to you to come into that process. It's going to be up to you whether you're willing to help somebody else. Because let's face it, um, if you have an itch by your eye, you can't scratch it unless you have a hand to go up and scratch it. Do you follow what I'm saying to you? So we need all of these parts. So that's my introduction today, literally. That's, I wanted to put these thoughts in your mind today. And if I say anything else or go on with the, uh, a message or not, I think I'm going to leave it right where it is today rather than bring the message that I was going to bring, which is very important and which is on entering into the Lord's rest. Because that's part of what we have to learn how to do and part of what we must do because it says, let us fear. At least there is still a rest that we need to enter into that we're not doing. And we'll get to that next week. But I hope you've been blessed and some pictures in your mind today about why we are important to one another. And why no matter how many people come into the church, I mean, it's uh, theoretically, uh, it, it, it could be a lot or a few, I don't know. But we're happy with who we have here right now. The most important thing is that we work together and that we get on the same page and that we begin to focus on these things and understand we're in the end times. We, we can't fool around. We, we, we need to be the church that God's called us to be. And the only one who can make us the church that God's called us to be is Christ himself. Whether he's working in us directly in our private time with him or working in us through other people around us, like the liver cleansing some stuff out of us or the, or the kidney, again, cleansing uh, our body or our heart pumping our blood through the body and in the blood, the life of the nephesh is. So I want you to think about these things and uh, next week we'll get back into the Lord's rest, but... Um, it, 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 boy, I'm telling you what, God's got a plan for you and for me. It's just, it's just incredible.